we want to share with you about a very vital aspect of our life together in Christ. Everybody say together. God wants us to shine brilliantly for him in the world so that the world will see Jesus. And the title of our message today is Lights in the Darkness. And we want to expound on the vision that God had given Paul, how he saw the churches. And we're going to be spending some time in the letter of uh, Philippians today, which is looked at as the most, um, the most happy or the most positive of Paul's letters. Not that the others had problems, but because Paul wasn't so much addressing problems in this letter, he was presenting to the church the ideals that God has in mind for them. And how many of you know it's God's ideal that we shine brilliantly for Jesus in the world? Daniel 12.3, back in the Old Testament, says this, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. It's a beautiful wording of God's heart for us to shine for him like the stars in the universe. And you know, because we're talking about lights in the heavens and shining God's light in the world, I was thinking about what that represents, the stars. Who knows what the brightest star from our view is on earth? Who knows that? I know we have some science. Okay, Dominic, what is it? Yes, that's it. That's it. And I thank you. That was so quick. I didn't have a chance to remember. I wanted to say besides the sun. (laughs) Next to the sun, which is the next brightest star? Who knows what that is? Anybody? And I'm going to have a picture of it, but not just yet. Anybody know what it is? It's the star Sirius. And it's the second uh, brightest from our view. It's outshined only by the sun and the moon. And I've seen it many times in the sky. And as a matter of fact, I've thought it was a planet many times because of how bright it was. Uh, It is a brilliant light in the sky, the brightest of stars next to the sun. And the reason I wanted to show you this is to get you thinking about what a star is. And then I have something to say about it. Uh, But a star is a unimaginably powerful ball of fire and energy that is suspended in the universe. That sounds really cool to say it that way. That sounds a lot better than just star or light. An unimaginably intense ball of fire and nuclear energy. And it is emanating heat into the, to the coldness, the frozen coldness of space. And this is what the scripture tells us as one of the images used of what we are in Jesus, we are like the lights in the heavens or the stars in the universe that are meant by God to emanate his brilliance and the heat and intensity of his love and power in the world. That was really easy to preach from that. I can tell you that. That was easy. But what I want to say to you is this. It is time to get serious. Everybody say it's time to get serious. And see, I played a trick with you on that one. <laughs> serious the star. I thought that was pretty clever. So, yeah, time to get serious. All right, here's a thought in your notes. How brightly you shine outwardly is dependent, I want you to really catch this, is dependent on what happens inwardly in your life connection to God, notice the next word, and one another. You know that it is not that hard to get good at doing ministry. I can promise you. 
as you apply yourself and you use the gifts that God's given you and what may seem so big and intimidating to you right now, it's really not that hard to learn how to use the gifts that God has equipped you with and to get used to it and to adjust and accommodate and become good at doing the stuff that God has called you to do out there in the world. And it's easier to go out and share Christ with people. It's very important, but hear me on this. It's easier to go out and share Christ with people than it is to be like Christ inside of his church in our home church families. Did you catch me on that? It's a whole lot easier to preach a sermon than it is to walk together in love and humility and unity with God's people. And one of the things that Paul brings to us is God's heart that we would shine with the brightness like the stars in the heaven, not just out in the world alone as ourselves, by ourselves with our gifts and callings, but that we would shine as God's people together who will be able to reflect who Jesus is in our midst. And I'm telling you, that is where so much of the challenge is. And all of the celebration and the positivity that is in the book of Philippians that we'll be getting into, Paul calls us to this Christ-centered self, um, mo- uh, this motivated reflection and conforming ourselves to the image of Christ where it's most challenging, and that is within his church, because God's vision isn't just for me or you to shine like a beautiful individual star, but that his church and that churches would be brilliant lights for him in the heavens. You know, people are looking for a bright light in the world. They're looking for those who have the answers to the stuff that ills us right now. They're looking for those who can heal our brokenness, who can fix our pain, who can uh, fix our problems in the world. And they're looking for those, not just individuals, but they're looking for those groups and those ideas that groups have that will really make a difference in the lives of people in the world. And you know, there's all kinds of things to choose from, and there's all kinds of ways that God has given us to accomplish good things in the world. He's given us all kinds of uh, gifts and industries and institutions and thoughts and plans and applications, but he hasn't given us anything as important and as effective as his body of believers who are gathered together in his name locally and around the world. And what I want to share with you this morning as we get into this is that God's heart for the church is that it would be the epicenter of the healing he wants to bring to the world. Jesus brings his healing and restoration to people through us, primarily. Because of Jesus in us, it's Jesus that makes the difference. You know, people are looking to a lot of different things. Some of the big things that people are looking to today to fix their problems and that they believe that they kind of have ultimate hope will fix the problems of the world. You know what some of these things are. How about politics and government? A lot of people in the postmodern world believe and they are ardently committed If we just have enough political reform and the right political reform and the right focus on money, education, and law, we can heal the world. They may not use those words, but if they believe that is the ultimate answer, that's really what they're looking to is politics and government. It's important, isn't it? You believe it's important, but do you believe it will heal the world? No way. We've been reminded of that recently. It doesn't heal the world. It it can do some things, but it also divides the world. How about self-help? and personal development 
and what also leads in many people into new spirituality and new age. A lot of people believe, and this is huge today, it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, I thought this was a really big, de big deal when the self-help movement first began, but it's getting bigger and bigger. The internet is filled with all kinds of ways to perfect yourself and to create this ideal life and perfected self with this individual belief that if everybody can just attain the right knowledge and the right perfection and a sense of wellness and happiness, then maybe that is the way that the world will be fixed and healed of its problems. And it doesn't take very long to find out that what you can do for yourself only goes so far. Who's with me on that? What you can do and what you can find, what you can gain in health and wellness and all of those beautiful things do not heal us on the inside. And we know it's only Jesus that does that. Does that. The question that people ask, who are those that can heal the problems of the world? I have a final answer for you. The final answer, and I know you believe this, is it is the people of God whose lives shine the light and love and the humility of Jesus in the world. And the passage we're going to be in today is Philippians chapter 2. The section is verses 1 through 16, and we're not going to read all of that this morning. We're just going to take some uh, snippets from it. But it's about being a people of love and humility so the world will see Jesus. And let's look at the first two verses in Philippians 2. This is in the uh, NASB translation. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Paul is calling them to receive what their hearts long for in Christ. The consolation, the comfort of love, the encouragement that we gain, that our hearts desire and that we long for. And then from what we have received so abundantly in Jesus, to turn our focus receiving from God to one another and to begin to live that way and look at one another in that way and share the encouragement and the love that he has given us. And what Paul gives to us as the ways that we shine light, God's light in the world, we're going to give you two things this morning. I'm going to give you the first one in a little bit. Emily is going to bring to you the second one, which is really the meat of the word this morning. Emily's got the real meal this morning. I'm just the introduction, by the way. The first one is radiant love in your notes. What is God doing in us to cause us to shine? Radiant love. From the love we have received from the Lord, it's an unconditional love. It's a total, all-encompassing love. That doesn't mean God loves everything that we do. Of course not. He calls us to holiness and to walk after him into a life of repentance. But regardless of that, he loves us with an everlasting love and fills us up with affirmation. And some of the things that Paul lists there uh, that are in your notes, some of the words here out of the NASB, uh, we're made to fill up our, our hearts in God together, at least on these things. This is what people want. Encouragement, consolation of love, fellowship of the Spirit, affection and compassion. Those are the things that we receive from God. And we're meant to also fill up on those together in the Lord. You know, I was thinking about this idea of radiating, radiant love and stars and heat and energy. And I was thinking about the kind of 
heat and fire energy I can create and that you can create. I can't make stars, but I can make fires in my yard. The safe kind. Well, I can make unsafe kind too, but I'm like, oh, I have done that before, but that'll be another time. Uh, Burned down part of my mother's garden, but we'll cover that another time. But you know, really, what does a warm fire do on a cold day? A warm fire draws people who have been exposed to the cold. And we like it because it feels good, right? Those of you that are sitting close to the radiators, you feel the heat emanating, radiating out of there. And we, we build fires because it draws us away from the exposure and chill. And that is the world. It is full of the cold of darkness and brokenness and depravity. And when God's people are filled up, what happens? They're drawn to that intensity and that heat. But you know, there are really two kinds of fires you can make. A campfire, cute, cuddly, snuggly, right? We think, well, it's romantic, the little fire. Or a bonfire. How many of you are bonfire people? (laughs) Okay, wow. A bonfire. You just bring it all together. Don't put too much gasoline on that thing or you'll be in trouble. But you bring it all together, all the pieces of trees and planks and cardboard and chairs that your mother threw out and all those things. And you light that thing and it just erupts into a huge flame. Don't do that on campus. But it erupts into a huge flame. And everybody around sees it, right? You do that around here, you get a ticket if you're in town. But out in the country, you're like, campfire? Save that for people who are on trails and woods. I want a bonfire. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I believe it's too easy to, to uh, uh, settle to be a campfire Christian when what God would have for us is to be so intricately knit into the midst of his people where there's a sharing of the power of the Holy Spirit and the fire of the presence of God that we would be ablaze like a bonfire for him in the world. Amen. Amen. Instead of just a little cute... There's nothing wrong with cute. That's all I can do in my yard. There's nothing wrong with a cute, cuddly, snuggly campfire. But there's too much of that mentality when we're just thinking of our witness for Christ alone. We're meant to be together like a great fire for the Lord. The flame of the Holy Spirit burns more intensely inside us when we are walking closely together in love-filled Christian community. And Emily's going to share with us the second way that God makes us shine. Thank you, my hand. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. I want to talk about radical humility and what it looks like in a community. But before I talk about what it looks like in a community, I want to give you an example of what it looks like when it is missing. Has anyone seen the viral, see if the pictures come up, Maybe it's coming. Has anyone seen the viral Zoom meeting of the Hanforth Parish Council? Anybody here? That's so shocking. I know you guys watch videos that come through. I know my son's seen it. I know he's seen it a couple, a couple times, probably. So let me, give you a little, let me give you a little background. You really have to watch it. After this chapel, please do. <laughs> These are the characters, first of all, of what has been called the most hellish Zoom experience since the pandemic began. Just to set the stage, so nine months previous, this council had come together, and just to give you an understanding of what this council does, basically it's this this little community in England, and these people who have 
um, just a political position to keep the um, proper government properties uh, maintained. So we're talking about the war memorial, uh, the you know just different places in the community keeping them nice. This, this is their this is their duty. Okay, this is their job. So these people come together about nine months ago, and there had been such turmoil in this meeting that people were being kicked off the call, and uh, it was just so incredibly awful that this gal in the middle, Jackie Weaver, had been called in. She wasn't even a part of the council. But they brought her in because she was a pretty steady, steady lady. And they said, we need someone to just come in and moderate this meeting so it doesn't get out of control. So this was, this was why she came to this meeting. So the meeting begins, and within moments, I mean, she literally had said maybe five words. Jackie Weaver, the lady in the middle there, began to be bombarded with accusations that she was trying to take over the group, that she was not abiding by the governmental bylaws of how the meeting should start, that she had no authority in that meeting to be even hosting this, this meeting, this council meeting. And so arguments, threats, name-calling, fits of rage, you name it, everything, pandemonium, like the biggest circus you've almost ever seen in a Zoom meeting is happening in this meeting. And so, and even just to kind of give it more humor, one of the, one of the guys, the, um, the one on the left there, he was so incredibly angry that Jackie Weaver was doing the things that she did. Oh, and by the way, the, the thing that really set him off was she kicked out the chairman, who's this guy right here, because he was being so rude and disrespectful to her that she's like, I can't even hold this meeting. This guy is like going crazy. She, she just, boop, she kicked him out. <laughs> and so this just made the whole thing erupt. And so this guy, he literally was so angry <laughs> that he started to sound like Gollum. Like, like, I was thinking, is he the voice actor for this character? Like, I mean, it is, it is Gollum in this meeting. Like, it was so incredibly ridiculous. So this, this video was very funny and hysterical because of the craziness of what happened. But when it's happening in a group of people, especially Christians, when this kind of behavior is happening, it's really not funny. And it's really against the things we're talking about this morning. You know, one would think that um, in the church, in the early church, okay, so the early church had just been with Jesus, right? That Jesus' power had been poured out, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, all of these, these things, that the strongest that the church has ever been. And Paul writes a letter to the Philippian church. And you wouldn't think that this church could descend to the kind of egocentric and aggressive behavior uh, that, that was seen in this meeting. But I have a suspicion that there was something going on in that community that looked a little bit like that. And he wrote these words to them in Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, 
and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what is radical humility? Martin Luther said that true humility doesn't even know that it is humble. If it did, it would be proud from the contemplation of so fine a virtue. So if we can't observe humility in ourselves, how do we know if we don't have it? Here are some signs that you are not moving in the humility of Christ in your relationships with one another. Number one, a defensive tongue. To be quick to argue, to want to be right, to draw the attention of all the other people that are coming at you, to have trouble with correction. Now, I'm sure if I were to ask each of you in this room, there have certainly been times that all of us have done that, where someone was approaching us with something, and we were angry, and we had this. But to perpetually be living, <clears throat> to perpetually be having a defensive tongue is a sign that we are not walking in the humility of Christ in our relationships. Superiority thoughts, having a low view of others, feeling above, more spiritual, more self-controlled, more smart. You know, there's a, a, a Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 6, that talks about the seven things that the, that the Lord hates. He calls them the, an abomination, the worst sins, the things that he detests the most. And you know what the number one was? Bible trivia here. Does anybody know the number one? Pride. Haughty. The scriptures say that haughty eyes is his first, the first thing that he hates. You know, I think there's a lot of significance when, when there's a, a numerical order of things, like the commandments. You know, what was the first commandment? To love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and with all of our mind. When creation happened, who was the first to be created of the living things? Mankind. When Jesus was preaching on the Sermon of the Mount, one of the first things he said is, blessed are the poor in spirit. When God brings attention to something, when he gives it the number one placement, this is very important to pay attention to. So I looked up a definition of haughty spirit or haughty eyes. It means that we look down upon others in a condescending way. We think more highly of ourselves than we should. This is where we look scornfully, disdainfully, or almost arrogantly at others. Number two. Number three, poor treatment of others. When we act selfishly, when we put my needs before the needs of others, and this can be in all of our relationships, with our siblings, uh, with our parents, with our coworkers, with our roommates, with people that we are in relationships with, all these ways, all these different relationships that, that it is said of us or observed by others that we are treating people poorly. This is the evidence that we are not walking in the humility of Christ in our relationship. And we believe that God wants us as a community to shine as lights, as the serious, as the biggest light in the sky. But we must first have radiant love, as Nathan shared and next, we must have radical humility. You know, one of the most traumatizing experiences we had as homeowners was when we had 
I don't know how to say this, but an attack of bat bugs in our house. I mean, it was probably the most difficult thing we had ever walked through up to that point in our life. And so what happened was we put on a new roof on our house. So we're thinking, new roof, more secure, more safe of the rain, you know, good, good thing to do as a homeowner. Right? Wrong. So the, the roof goes on, and what happens is they didn't properly seal it. So the soffit underneath of the roof, there, there became an opening. And our area, which we didn't really think about before until this incident, had a lot of bats. And bats were just would come in at different points. And so these bats, a bat family probably, came into our soffit, so not in our house. And guess what the bats bring with them? Bugs. And these bugs, and not to gross you out, but they're a, co- they're a cousin of the bed bug. So if that gives you any idea of what kind of bug this is. So these bugs get on these bats, and they're, you know, they, they eat on the bat blood, bat blood. And then the, if the bats go away, guess what they do? They come into the house. <laughs> and they look for other sources, other ways to feed and so this is what happened. And we first noticed it with Nathan. He woke up one morning and he had a couple of bites. And he was like, what in the world? We don't have pets right now. We don't have, they're not fleas. What, what are these things? And then my daughter got bit. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I need to, this is serious. I need to look into this. So he started to research and he started to, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a he's guy's doctorate. He knows how, he knows how to research. And, and uh, so he's finding now he's, and all of a sudden all the stars aligned and we realized we have pet bugs. And it was horrendous to even think about because we were afraid to go to bed. You know, we go to sleep, they're going to bite us. Like what, you know, we'd hear stories about people that couldn't get rid of them and they had to leave their homes, thousands of dollars of extermination costs. So Nathan, and I, you know, you see him now, he's, he's very reserved and peaceful and, you know, holds himself together. Okay, I have never seen this man gets so against a thing in his entire life. I mean, this was like, these were like demons to him. He was like, we are getting rid of these bed bugs. And he got to the point where, so he's, we're pastoring in this community, and he's up on our roof with a BB gun, shooting, shooting these bats, and they're toppling down. And then my son Ethan, is he's got a shovel, and he's, he's banging up. And I'm like... I'm like, the testosterone in this family is just like crazy. So we're like all in. He is all in. I mean, night and day, he's thinking about it. He's planning it. Okay, I'm gonna, tonight I'm going to go shoot the bat. You know, like it was just completely filled our minds for that period of our lives. And we finally got a guy in who helped us to seal up the area so they didn't come again. And good end of the story, we got rid of them. And everything was fine. But I know, right? You're just kind of like, yes! Yes, you defeated the bugs. (laughs) But I want to tell you today that just like we dealt with those bat bugs is how we need to deal with pride in our life. God says he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. God is very aggressive when it comes. He speaks very aggressively when it comes to pride. And I want to talk briefly here about three things that we have got to do. Number one, we have to recognize it. It is so insidious you know, Philippians 1 talks about that people were even preaching the gospel 
with selfish ambition and pride. So we can even do really good things and have pride be our motivation. So we have to look for it. We have to hold up the standard of Christ and say, this is our model. He's shown us. He gave it all up. He put down his rights. This is who we are to model. We need to confess it. We need to get it out. We need to get it, get it in the community. We need people to know we're dealing with this. Pray for me. We need to confess it. We need to invite others in to help us because we can't do it by ourselves. We, we needed that guy to help us because we didn't know how to stop the bats from getting in. We needed that professional to show us, here's what you do. And this is what we, what we need with one another. We need each other to help, to help us to spot it, to help us to, to, to get it out. God wants to get it out of our lives. We need to, we, pride is just, it just has this effect on us that is so awful. And it's so awful in our communities and what it does. So we need to get rid of the pride. We need to begin to live like Jesus lived. We need to live sacrificially. We need to begin to, in our minds, think about the others before we think about ourselves. None of us in this room will probably ever be asked to give up our life like Jesus did. But every single one of us are asked to give sacrifices every day. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we need to live a life of giving up our rights. You know, one of the, I was thinking about this this morning, and I've said this to Nathan and others so many times, that the favorite part of my day, every Monday, Monday through Friday, the favorite part of my day is I have two daughters, 14 and 16. They go to a little Christian school right down the road here. I pack their lunch and I take them to school. Now, they're old enough to do that. They're perfectly capable of packing their lunch. They can walk to school. Uh, you know, they're definitely able to do that. But there is something in me that just loves giving, even though it means I might not have time to do the things that I want to do. It's giving up some a convenience, right? A convenience of time, giving up something that, that I own. But the love that it gives, the, the joy, really, that it gives me to give something to someone else. And this is what God has for us. He doesn't want us to sacrifice just to be without. He wants us to sacrifice because he knows the joy that we're going to have in doing it. And he knows that his church is going to shine brighter for the world when we do it. I want you just for a moment, just to kind of close my thoughts here, I want you to, I want you to close your eyes, okay? And I want you to think about all of the relationships in your life. I want you to think about your friends. I want you to think about your family. Just anyone connected, even on this campus. And I want you to consider these four statements. Pride says, what can I get from this relationship to satisfy my desires? Radical humility says, what can I give in this relationship to bring fullness and blessing into his or her life? When there is a disagreement, pride says, how can I prove that I am right? Radical humility says, how can I listen better to hear what the other person is saying and consider how I need to change. Now you can open your eyes again. To shine like stars in the universe, we need to passionately pursue radical humility in exposing pride 
and laying down our rights for each other. Thank you, Emily. As we finish up this morning, I want to just read towards the end of that section from Paul in 2 Timothy, where he repeats these issues and his call, and he brings in this imagery of shining in the world. That's what he says, verses 14 to 16 of chapter 2. Do all things without complaining or arguments, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom, here it is, here it is you appear as lights in the world holding firmly the word of life so that on the day of Christ I can take pride because I did not run in vain, run in vain or labor in vain. You know, verse 15, when it says you appear as lights, so often we think of that just in ourselves as individuals. But a student of the word knows that that you is a plural meaning. You all together in Christ shine like lights in the world. And it's going to start here for you. One of the reasons God's brought you here to Elam is to learn how to be in vibrant Christian community and walk in love together and be filled up on the power of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of God and his word and learn how to love one another. But before you know it, you're going to be heading out of here and his desire is that you will take that with you and you will implant those same things through your life when you are in another home church. Some of you are going to be church planters and church pastors, and God's going to put it on your shoulders to create an environment and a culture of love and humility. And this is part of how we shine brightly for the Lord. It starts here. And so my last thought here, connect your life for the rest of your life to the people of God and Jesus. Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer at lunchtime today. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the counsel we receive, the counsel of God that is given to us. Lord, would you help us to be knit into your people? Would you help us to walk in love and humility and to be like you in those ways, Lord, and to embrace the call you have to be in this vital community of loving fellowship with your Holy Spirit and with one another. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a blessed lunch.